in um, Psalms uh, 78. I want to open up there to it, so we'll just open it up here. Psalm 78, it says, uh, uh, it says, so it's talking about the, the nation of Israel. And it says in verse 41, it says, uh, Yea, they turned, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And I've just been kind of meditating on this verse this week for, for me personally, just uh, thinking about that, uh, uh, you know, this is talking about the children of Israel and all the things they did wrong, you know. And, and um, of course, we have the advantage of looking back, right? They say that hindsight is twenty twenty. We look back and say, well, you know, if I was there and God did all these miracles, you know, I would never... I would never attempt the Lord and cause these problems. And uh, you should always be careful about saying things like that because uh, my question to me is, what would I have done if I was there? You know, what would I have done? Uh, and so, um, but, it, but it's interesting that it says because of what they did, they limited the Holy One of Israel. And I just thought it was interesting how they translated that. They limited God. Uh, and of course, God is unlimited, but uh, mankind has the ability to limit him. Now, it doesn't limit him in his uh, desire to do something for other people, or if there's sovereign things that God wants to do, you know, there's nothing that man can do to limit him. But we can limit him on how much that he uh, does in our individual lives. Uh, he wants to do, you know, of course, Ephesians 3.20 says that uh, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So that's a lot, right? So that's unlimited what he can do. Uh, but what he will do, what he's able to do in our lives, uh, sometimes uh, we put the limits on God, right? And so, you know, if we say, well, God, don't talk to me about this or God, don't bother me about that. And then a lot of times, you know, the Lord is, is unable to help us in that particular area. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes we think, well, there's, you know, well, God's God. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to. And he's so powerful. And, and of course, all those things are true. But when it comes to his interaction with us, he has to... Uh, move according to our will and desire and if our will and desire is not to allow him to move in a big way in our lives then then he can only go so far and and now the lord is gracious and merciful and he will go just as far as he can i mean he will he will be at the edge of our will and desire every day but if we'll work on um, increasing our will and desire for the lord to operate in our lives see then we won't limit him amen and it just uh it's interesting that uh, that's recorded in the Word of God for us that the nation of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel, uh, the one who created the entire universe, right? You think about how much power it takes to create the universe with a spoken word. You know, that's a lot of power, right? There's a lot of uh, explosive power that God is able to bring to bear just because he says words. Uh, and yet, when he comes into our lives, we may be like, well, Lord, you know, I, I, I I don't want you to do that, you know. Lord, I, you know, I don't believe that you're going to do that. Lord, I, you know, I, I can't see how you're ever going to do that. And our words and our actions and our lives and our choices can actually uh, put God in a box, so to speak, that he's unable to do as much as he desires, amen? And, of course, we have seen that in our own lives. Uh, you know, uh, how many people do you know that you've desired to help and you want to help, but you're unable to help? Well, what you're, what's happening is they are limiting you, right? They're limiting your ability to help them. And it's not on you, it's on them. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, but God is unlimited. I mean, he is so unlimited. And yet we as, as created beings, we're made out of dirt. You know I mean? We literally came from the dirt, the dirt of the ground, the dust of the ground. 
And we, in, in our completely limited selves, have, have the capacity to limit God. And, and you just have to think about that for a while, to think about how much, uh, how much the Lord respects the creation that he made in us, that gave, he gave us a free will to such an extent that he will never violate that will, that he will never uh, force us to do anything. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that, uh, to me, that's just amazing. And, and it, it's good to just meditate on those verses because uh, if you meditate on it, then you start looking in your own life. Oh, Lord, have I limited you in any area of my life? Is there any area that you're not you're unable to that I have limited you from uh, blessing me in my life? You know, I mean, and it, it's every area of our life, right? It's, it's in uh, your, your mental capacity. It's in your financial capacity. It's your physical health. Uh, it's in the revelation that you have. Uh, people say things like, well, the, the word of God is too hard to understand. So they limit God because he's the revealer, right? He, his spirit, the, the Holy Spirit's one of his primary job is to, is to reveal the word of God to our understanding so we know what it means in our lives. Uh, and when we say things like, uh, Lord, uh, you know, you, you can't, uh, uh, I can't understand the Bible. It's too hard to understand. And then the, the spirit of God is, is then constrained uh, well, then then I can't go past that. I can't go past what you've decided that if you decided that the word of God can't be understood, then then it would be a violation of my will to actually uh, give you the understanding for those things. And so um, so just be careful in your own life. Amen. Just just if you meditate on a verse, you know, you'll start seeing, well, Lord, maybe this area over here that I've not seen any movement or seen any improvement. Uh, Lord, I'm wondering if maybe I have I limited you. Have I have I done things or said things? Uh, that I, that uh, I, I would limit you, you know, and, and uh, one of my favorite stories was with uh, uh, Jesse Duplantis where um, uh, one day, and, and this happens sometimes, you know, and uh, he was up to preach and the Lord spoke to him and said, you call out uh, these two couples here. He, uh, the Lord said they've been wife swapping, right? Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> you know, that uh, in the, you know, in that, you know, there's a lot of sins that go on that, you know, the Lord's not going to deal with publicly, right? But these were leaders in the church, right? They were elders of the church, and it was well-known and publicized, and nobody was doing anything about it, right? And so uh, so sometimes the Lord has to do that, right? Ideally, we deal with those things, you know, in, in a closed room somewhere where it's not public, and we, and we move on, and, and we try to restore people as best we can. Not that we're trying to hide things, but, you know, some things... Uh, do you want all of your secrets uh, displayed on the five o'clock news? You know, I don't want all mine displayed on the five o'clock news. You know, uh, you know, he didn't even mow his yard last week. Can you believe that? Right. Uh, but um, so he did that. And you can imagine how well that went over in the service. Right. Uh, it was really hard to recover the service after that because, well, then people get really uncomfortable. You know, if he said that, what's he going to say about me next? Right. And he's going to call me out next. And so uh, so he kind of. Uh, Jesse kind of got a little upset with the Lord, so don't you ever do that again, right? Make me, make me do that, you know? And then, of course, uh, the next service, he got up to preach, and it was just, there was nothing there. Uh, and, and one of the things, you know, when you get used to ministering by the Spirit of God, you get used to sensing His presence and His flow and where He wants to go and, and the things He wants to say. And, and it's a teamwork, right? It's a team effort. And, and, um, uh, and, I, and I, know what he, I know what he's talking about there because there's been times when I've been ministering <clears throat> and and people in, in the church will be disrespectful to the Spirit of God. They'll just do something, you know, just, just out of the blue, you know, and ask about Adam's belly, belly button or something, and, and just the Spirit, he'll just leave. I mean, he'll just go. 
and then you're stuck, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, maybe I should go too, right? And, uh, but, and, and it's been, <coughs> you know, in the, in the 14 years I've been pastoring, you know, in the thousands of services that we've done, uh, once or twice, right, that's ever happened. So it's not like it's a regular occurrence. But <coughs> And so after the service, after it was just a complete dud of a service, he went to the Lord and said, what's up, you know? And he said, well, you told me don't ever speak to you like that, you know, and so I didn't. Uh, and, uh, of course, then he realized, you know, that he had limited God, right? He said, I, you know, don't, because, you know, he said don't do anything supernatural. And, and well, then everything is really, really everything in a, in a ministry should be supernatural. Uh, and so the Lord just, fine, no, no problem, you know. Uh, and, and then, of course, he started repenting, and the Lord said, don't you ever say that again. Uh, and, and really rebuked him for doing that. And so. I'm not going to call anybody, for, you know, if your wife's swapping, you know, I don't know, any, any hand raised, you want to have any raised hands, right, for wife swapping, but uh, um, yeah. uh, my, my goal and desire as a pastor and I have is to deal with things at a private level, right, if we can, you know, and so, because uh, in a situation like this, you know, uh, the reason why uh, Brother Jesse had to deal with that is because the pastor wasn't dealing with it, right, the pastor, maybe they were big givers, or maybe, you know, uh, maybe he was, I don't know if he was one of the four. I don't know. I don't think he was. But, uh, and I don't know what church it was or anything. So, uh, but, uh, you know, those things should be handled by the authority, right? By the church, the structure and the authority in the church. And if they would, then the Lord wouldn't have to go to the next level, right? So, those things, if they happen, you know, should be dealt with uh, uh, in a way that restores people. Amen. Uh, and in that case, it was necessary to keep the church alive, you know, and sometimes that has to happen. But that wasn't the point of the discussion. The point was that uh, Brother Jesse limited God. He put the brakes on the Lord and, and, and uh, got rebuked because of that. Amen. Uh, and so hopefully we don't have such uh, extreme situations and circumstances in our life. But uh, the question for us is, is there anything you're doing or saying or, or, or um, uh, believing or anything in your life that's currently limiting God and his ability to bless you? Uh, and, um, you know, that's for uh, that's for me to decide. Right. That's for me and my time with the Lord to decide. That's for you to decide. That's not for me to give you a list. Right. Well, here's how I think you're limited. That's not my job. You know, that's your job. Amen. So you do your job. I'll do my job. and I'll be well. Amen. Uh, well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute. and We'll get into praise and worship. You would desire you, Father, you will come into our midst and into our presence, Father. And you will refresh our hearts, Father. Refresh our lives. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Father, there's no greater blessing to spend than to spend time in your presence. To feel at peace, Father, and at ease in our lives. Father, you do that because you love us and you desire good things for us. And Father, we thank you that as we sense your presence here that we will know how to sense your presence during the week, Father. On Mondays and Tuesdays, Father, we'll sense your presence. On Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays, Father, we can learn to sense your presence because we know your presence today. Father, we thank you. We honor you, Father. You thank, we thank you for refreshing our hearts and calming our minds, Father. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to live in peace each and every day. 
by your presence and through your spirit, Father. And Father, we just want to thank you and give you all the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he's good. Amen. Uh, you know, it's really hard to beat being in the presence of the Lord. It's, uh, it's uh, I mean, it's a great honor to begin with, but you think about all the other religions in the world, you know, they don't know anything about the presence of God, right? They don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They don't know anything about the supernatural God that we serve. You know, theirs is all just old dead words written on paper uh, that uh, it has no life in it today. You know, all of the people that, that uh, began those religions, you know, whether it's Muhammad or Buddha or any of those folks like that, they're all gone. They're dead. And, and, um, and there's no, uh, they don't come back and help anybody. Uh, and so uh, in some of the Hindu religions, they, they, they believe in reincarnation. But, you know, if you don't do right in this earth, you may come back reincarnated as a possum or something, you know. I mean, who knows, right, for, for, uh, to punish you. And so... But then how would they know? I mean, if they go, have they talked to a possum and, and, and asked them, you know, were you somebody else in your previous life, you know? And, of course, if you talk to all of them, you know, all these people who believe in reincarnation, like 99% of them were, were all either, if they're a girl, they were Cleopatra, or if they're a guy, they were Alexander the Great, you know? Well, what about the ditch digger? Anybody came back reincarnated, you were a ditch digger in a previous life? Nobody was a ditch digger. You know, kings and priests and, you know, all these important people. It's like, that's not likely, you know? Uh, and so, of course, none of it's likely anyway. There's no such thing as reincarnation, but uh, that's, we're not here talking about all that. But then, anyway, it's interesting, you know, that we, we as a church have the, uh, the honor to stand in the presence of God. Uh, and I remember uh, being born again, you know, as a teenager and not having grown up in church, but you know, the church we went to was Spirit-filled church. And um, we would sing songs like this, and I would sense the presence of God. And somebody even asked me, you know, do you know what that was? I said, well, that was the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know that? I don't know how I know that. I just know that. And, and of course, now I can tell you, you know, that times are refreshing, come through the presence of the Lord and give you a book, chapter, and verse for it. Uh, but you know, because you're a spirit being, right? You were created as a spirit being. Uh, when you came into this earth as a child, you had a spirit. The Lord created that spirit. Now, your parents created your body uh, through DNA, but, you, but the Spirit of God created your spirit. You, you are made from the same substance that God has made on the inside of you. And that's who you are. That's the part of you that will live forever. This body will not live forever. You know, it was designed originally to live forever until sin arrived. Uh, but uh, in, the, in the dispensation that we live in, this body will come to an end. But your spirit man will live forever. And that spirit man is made in the image and likeness of God. And, and once you get born again... Now you've been recreated, the Bible says, and you're recreated in the image and likeness of God, and then he seals your spirit. So it, uh, when your spirit gets connected with his spirit, you know, that's when fullness of joy comes, amen? And so it's a good place to be. Uh, and so we thank the Lord for that, amen? And, you know, I don't know that we teach enough about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know we teach a lot of it around here, but I think even more we could teach about it because if you think about you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but God the Father, God the Son are in heaven, right? God the Father's on his throne. Jesus seated at his right hand. Now, it's not like they don't ever get up, right? I mean, uh, Jesus visits the earth as he sees fit and visits people as he sees fit. Uh, and you remember when, um, when uh, um, Stephen was martyred in Acts chapter 7, it says Jesus was standing, right? And so, 
he takes great interest in, in the lives of his people. But the Spirit of God is on the earth. He lives on the inside of you and me. Amen. He's operating in the earth. He's talking to people every day. He's talking to people around the whole world. Not just to Christians. He, you know, as we pray for people that need to get saved, as we witness to people that get, need to get saved, he will speak to them. Uh, and he will, he will uh, encourage them to, to accept the Lord Jesus. So he's in the earth operating and uh, doing his job. And really, we work together with him, right? We are laborers together with the Lord, not just... He's not just doing his part separate from us. He's doing his part in uh, partnership with us. Amen. Uh, and so we, uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We've been studying on, on the Beatitudes here. Uh, and we got to uh, verse 8, talking about the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we've been here a little while, but uh, um, I think it's uh, been helpful, at least for me anyway, uh, to study what the heart is, right? What is the heart? Uh, because if you, we, we started out this discussion in First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, where it says, In your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord. So we know that, that a human being is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And all human beings have those three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And God designed it that way. God designed you to be a spirit. He designed you to have a soul. He designed you to live in a body. Uh, and, and so if he designed you to have all those things, Seems like if he wants to bless you, he would want to bless you in those three areas as well. Sometimes people say, well, God only wants to bless you in the spirit realm. Well, that doesn't make any sense because God made the natural realm. He made the soulless realm. He blessed us in every area. He created every area. So why wouldn't he want to bless us in every area? You know, it, I think it's poor doctrine uh, for people to make up stories like that. But, uh, but then, uh, then in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, you see a lot of discussion about the heart. Uh, and... You know, the general consensus or the general thought in, especially in the charismatic world, is that the heart is your spirit. But, you know, we went through the scriptures and showed how, you know, it's really not, it, uh, if you uh, go along with the other foundational doctrine of the charismatic world, and, and it's really just the scriptures, that uh, we are spirits, and when we're born again, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and we have no flaws or errors in our spirit from that point on. Because we've accepted the Lord, he says, you're a new creature, created in Christ Jesus, Amen. You're brand new. And then Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4 both say that you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. And that sealing is, is in your spirit, man. And so if, if that's true, then there are no errors in your spirit. But then we saw in Hebrews, for example, that you can have an, either an evil heart of unbelief or a hard heart. We saw in, in Ephesians you can have a blinded heart. We saw in James where you can have a deceived heart. So there's a lot of different types of heart that a Christian, and all of us are Christians, right? None of those are for the world because the world is in, is in darkness, right? They're, they're separated from the life of God. That's a different discussion. But the Christian can have all of those hearts. So how can that be if your spirit man is your heart? So, uh, uh, you know, in, in studying this, the conclusion I came to is your heart is really whatever part that your will hooks up with. And if your will hooks up with your spirit man, then you've got a pure heart. And we're going to talk about that today. But then we talked about some of the other, you know, we're not going to go through them all again. Uh, but we talked about how your deceived heart hooks up with your vain imaginations and your tongue and your doubting heart uh, connects with your intellect, right? Because you, your will you know, uh, is considering what your intellect has, uh, what your intellect has to say, uh, and your intellect comes up with just crazy things, right? Well, there can't be a God because, you know, uh, why doesn't he help me? And so in, in our limited minds, we try, to make, uh, we try to define the rules that God should ab uh, abide by. 
And if he doesn't abide by those rules that we would set as somebody that's deity, then clearly he's not God. And, and well, you, you know, you're, you're made out of dirt, right? How are you ever going to comprehend and make rules for God, right? And so, so the, uh, the doubting heart connects with your intellect and the evil heart of unbelief, just you making your own decisions. Well, this is what I want to do, you know? And then the hard heart, uh, you get into pride and stubbornness. And, uh, and then finally, we talked about a broken heart where uh, your will can't connect with your spirit, man, because your emotions are so strong and so overwhelming that you just, you, you almost can't function. And sometimes it's one area, sometimes it's your entire life. And, and we know people that are brokenhearted, right? And we say they're brokenhearted. And, and even Paul talked about uh, in Acts chapter 20 when he was leaving Ephesus and they were in tears, you know, well, don't leave us. You know, you've, been, you're, you've helped us so much. And he says, why, why are you breaking my heart? And he said that because the emotions of him leaving these people that he loved that he'd been with for a year and a half or so uh, was overwhelming to him. Uh, and, and sometimes the emotions will overwhelm you. And, and the, the problem with that is if you stay in that condition, then you, it's hard for you to connect with your spirit man then. It's hard for you to, to get connected with what God wants you to do and what he's trying to reveal to you. And, and, it's, and that's why it's called broken. It's, not, it's, you know, it's broken because it's not working right. Your heart's not working right. That's why it's broken. And that's the whole definition of broken. But we, we usually put them together and say, well, it's an emotional state. It's really not an emotional state. It's a state of man, a mankind, where uh, from a biblical perspective, they can't connect with their spirit man the way they should. Uh, and so, and that's why it's broken there. And, you know, I remember years ago uh, with my pastor, and, and, uh, and one of the things that, uh, uh, about our lives that uh, maybe one of these days we'll teach some more on it, uh, talking about our will. Um, you know, you, God made you spirit, soul, and body. Amen? And sometimes in the charismatic world, the soulless realm kind of gets a bad rap. You know, just, well, we don't like the soul. You know, just put it over in a corner and don't talk about it. Right? But, you know, your spirit should be number one, but, you know, you do have a soul, and it's number two, right? It should be the, the second most important aspect of your life that you work, work on. Uh, and, and you really need to have a clear mind in order to have the greatest faith, because the, the part of faith, you know, faith starts with revelation from the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and, and it's important. It always starts in the spirit realm, comes to you as spirit, comes to you as revelation knowledge from the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God. Here's what the Word of God says about healing or prosperity, this is for you. That's revelation. Uh, you know, I remember the first time I got revelation that God's a healer. I didn't know growing up that God was a healer. And then you go to church and someone said, God's a healer. Well, that's revelation. Well, then uh, that's great, but I still have to choose to accept that revelation. I have to choose to say, okay, well, that's then, then I believe that's for me. Uh, and that's where a lot of the church gets it wrong is they see in the Word of God that, that uh, uh, things like healing is for them, but then they say, well, that's not for me. So the revelation comes, but they choose to reject it. Well, then, so they're not in faith, right? And so you have to have a clear mind in order to be in faith. Now, that, you know, that would probably get us stoned in some circles, but uh, the root of it is revelation, supernatural, spiritual revelation from heaven. But at the end of the day, you have to choose to accept it. You're just like, man, you know, remember the old Mission Impossible movies, right? This mission, if you choose to accept it, right? What if he choose not to accept it? Well, then, you know, there's no mission, right? Uh, and if you choose not to accept the revelation, well, there's no faith. And so, uh, not that, you know, we're getting a lot of revelation from Mission Impossible, but, um, but I remember years ago, uh, uh, my pastor had been uh, diagnosed with, uh, I think he had like hepatitis C, uh, one of the, it's a liver disease. 
and, and um, you know, of course, nowadays they can cure it, right? You can get on this super high-powered uh, medication, and it's only for like three or four weeks. You know, it used to be you died from it, but now you get on this medication, and uh, you can be 100% cured from it. It's, it's like a miracle drug. Uh, and so, um, but it's really intense. And, you, and uh, but, uh, they didn't have that. I don't think they had that one for him. What he had to be on was something for like a year. Uh, and, and I was talking to him one day, and this was after several months of him being on the medication. He said, he said you know, I'm really struggling. Uh, and for, for my pastor, he always loved the Spirit of God. He loved ministering to the Spirit. He loved yielding to the Spirit of God. He loved speaking by the Spirit of God. Uh, he loved the Spirit of God, and he, and he was great and wonderful and taught us uh, really everything we know about uh, moving in the Spirit. And, and it was a blessing to be under his ministry those years. You know, you've heard some of the other stories that weren't quite a blessing, but that part was a blessing. And uh, but uh, we were just uh, kind of fellowshipping one day, and he said, he said, I'm really having a hard time yielding to my spirit because my mind is so cloudy, so foggy with this medication. Uh, it, because even in yielding to the spirit, you have to do that by faith. You have to recognize that this is the spirit of God, and you have to believe that it's the spirit of God, and then act uh, accordingly as if it is the spirit of God. So that's, it requires faith, right? It's not just God overwhelms us and we're just mannequins and you know puppets that he just moves upon no we work together he 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 reveals to us things to say or do and then we by faith choose to yield and, and say and do the things that he wants us to do uh, and if your mind is cloudy it's hard to do that it's hard to hook up with your spirit man and he said he was just really struggling in that year and so uh, one of the, the desires of the enemy of mankind is to break your heart, is to overwhelm your life with emotions so that, so that your mind is cloudy and so, you're, so you can't see your spirit man. And, uh, and, and then you're on your own because if you can't see your spirit man, can't, can't listen to your spirit man, uh, can't yield to your spirit man, then you're on, you're on your own and all you have is your intellect. Uh, and that's tough, right? I mean, intellect is only as good as the things it, it observes and some people aren't very good at observing things. And so, so uh, then, then we get down here to really verse 5 or verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so this, this is all of us that we've been speaking about for the last several weeks, maybe longer than that, has been to get to the end of this verse, right? Which is to what does it mean to have a pure heart? And so we looked at all of those other conditions of the heart that a Christian can have. And then we're back down to a pure heart. So uh, yeah, I wanted to read uh, the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 21, just because it uses the same word. And when we see the same word in a different context, it'll help us. So Revelation chapter 21, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, nearly at the jumping off place, right? So the, there's uh, only 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. But in, in chapter 21 uh, is talking about the new Jerusalem, right? The new heaven that's coming down to the earth. Uh, and it comes out and gives us a good de description of what it's going to be like. Uh, but one of the things that it says is in verse 18, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. So, you know, it's not only that we're going to walk on streets of gold, the buildings are made out of gold. That's pretty good, right? So now in the Old Testament, remember when they built the, uh, the temple, they built the temple and then they overlaid the temple with gold, right? So they built it with wood or whatever and, uh, and there was no hammering done and they, they built it off-site, cut it off-site and they assembled it on-site, right? So, so however they built it, you know, uh, they built it without any hammers or nails and, uh, and so it must have been a pretty amazing building. 
but then after they built it with the wood and whatever other materials, then they took the walls and they overlaid it with gold. So they took gold and they, they beat it out thinly and they, they overlaid the walls with gold. Well, that's, that's great. You know, that still is pretty expensive, right? I mean, it would be pretty expensive to overlay your, your house with gold. And, uh, and so, uh, but, when, but when we get the new heaven, it's not only going to be overlaid with gold, it will be pure gold. Right? And then it says at the end of that, like under clear glass. Uh, and, you know, if you think about it, you know, why, why, why can you see through glass, but you can't see through wood? You ever thought about that? You know, I think about stuff like that, you know, and, and, um, uh, and so, uh, you, know, you know, when like, we'll give you a, a two minute science lesson here right now, right? So everything is made out of, out of atoms. In fact, you know, what's amazing to me, the entire universe is made on of three things, right? Protons, neutrons, and electrons. That's it. Everything in the universe is made out of those three things, right? And that, and that, that's pretty good. Um, and so... Uh, and God rearranges the things, those three things, and he makes everything else out of those three things. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, glass, uh, all the atoms that make up the glass, uh, they're ordered in such a way, so perfectly ordered, that light passes through. That's why you can see it, right? So, you know, if you just take a, just take a box of rocks, you know, you can't see through those box of rocks. But if you could get those rocks all lined up perfectly, you could see through them, right? Uh, and so... And that's, that's the difference. That's the difference between you can see through glass because all the atoms are lined up perfectly, but you can't see through wood because it's a mess, right? All the atoms are just jumbled up in a big box, and so you can't see anything. But if you could take any substance in the, in the atoms of, of gold or the atoms of, of wood or anything, and, and if you could go in there and organize it, you know, and get it all ordered up and nice and neat, you could, light would pass through it. You could see through pure, you could see through gold if it was perfectly ordered. And that's the way God is. It's perfectly ordered, even though, you know, uh, I mean, I don't have my gold ring on here, but uh, I've got a gold ring and I can't see through it, right? It's, you know, it just looks like a gold ring. Uh, but if it was pure, I mean, so pure that you, even 24 karat gold is not that pure, right? It's still a big, if you can see at the atomic level, it's a big, big box of mess, right? But God can take all those things and line them up perfectly because he's God. It's so point that you can see perfectly clearly through that. And so it's gold, right? It's not, it's not glass. It's, 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 it's uh, like under clear glass. Uh, and, and so that word clear there is, you know, even though the word pure is in, in this uh, verse, but the word clear there is the exact same word as used pure in Matthew 5, 8, pure heart and clear glass. And, and so uh, in, in thinking about this, meditating on this, you know, what, what a pure heart is, is when, when your will can, can see your spirit perfectly clearly and, and it does, uh, there, there's no conflict between your will and your spirit. Your spirit man says to do something because it's born again, and your will goes, I'll be glad to do that. And your spirit man says to pray, and your will goes, yeah, I think I'll do that. Your spirit man says, uh, don't say that, and your will goes, yeah, that's no problem. I won't say that at all. Uh, and so anytime that your spirit man, directed by the Holy Spirit, instructs you to do something or go somewhere or, or pray or read or, or help or, or not say something, your spirit, oh yeah, no problem, no problem. And if you can live that way, see, that's a pure heart. That's got nothing to do with sin. It's got nothing to do with your performance. It's just uh, everything your spirit man says to do, your, your will goes, yeah, no problem, glad to do it, right? So it's just the interaction between your will and your spirit, perfectly fine, right? Now, the problem we get into is things get uh, unclear when your emotion jumps in between your spirit man and your will goes, well, I wouldn't put up with that. You know, they're not saying that to me. Oh, yeah, you cut line, you know, you're, you know, it's over for you. And how dare you cut line? And, uh, and we allow our emotions to get in between in our spirit man's like, 
it's okay. It's all right, you know. They didn't eat you, so just let it go. Well, you know, I don't have to put up with that. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, you don't have to put up with that. I don't know. Should you put up with that? You know, well, you know. I mean, who made that rule, right? Did you don't have to put up with that? Some things you do that you should put up with, right? And so, uh, but see, what happens in our lives is we've got our will over here and our spirit man over here, and everything's in between, right? There's our emotions, there's our flesh, there, there's our intellect, there, there, there's all kinds of things that get in between, right? We talked about 1 Corinthians 14, this is there are many voices in the world, right? And none without signification, and you know, the donuts, right? They have voices, right? I mean, your, your spirit man, you know, is, hey, you know, might maybe, maybe not eat so much. And, and those donuts get in between and go, yeah, but, you, but have you seen me? I'm a donut, right? And the little red light's on. And when the little red light's on, then you got, you got to go when the right, little red light's on, right? And, you know, and so you're, okay, I got to do it. And, 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 you know, that's kind of normal for the, for the world. But it's not how God designed us to be. I mean, you know, your average, your average human, human, not just Christians, but human. There, there's so much stuff between their spirit and their will that some of them never see their spirit man, never hear from their spirit man. You know, the Bible talks about having a seared conscience. And that's the Christian. A seared conscience is, is the conscience as a Christian is the voice of your spirit. And when it's seared, it's still there. The voice is still there, but it has a, it has a difficult time moving from your spirit man to, to your mind where you can hear it. And, and a lot of times that's what happens. We get a seared conscience. And our spirit man's still speaking, and our, the spirit of God is still speaking to our spirit man, but our, our mind never hears that voice of our spirit. And so we're like, well, it never told me anything. Well, it's because you got a seared conscience. It was speaking, but you never could hear it. So a pure heart is where... When you're so willing to hear from your spirit man that you're willing to do whatever it says, as often if it says, if it says don't say anything, yeah, no problem. If it says do say something, yeah, no problem. If it says give it away, yeah, no problem. If it says keep it, no problem. You know, it's just because you trust your spirit man. Your, your spirit man is born of the spirit of God. It's re, recreated in his image, in his likeness. It cannot lead you astray. It will never lead you to a wrong path, ever. Not a single time. But you have to have trust in it, right? That's where faith comes in. You have to believe that it's... An, and, 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 and if you've never done that, you know, it, it's a little bit uh, uh, unsettling to think, you know, I just got to do whatever it says. Well, yeah. Well, how do I know it's right? Well, that's where you've got to train yourself to, uh, especially when you're first learning this, is judge everything by the word of God. Is what, the, is what, my, what I believe my spirit telling me, is that God? Would God tell me to do that? Does it violate anything in the Word, word of God? Because number one, he'll never violate the Word of God. Never. Never. Uh, and I have seen ministers get up and say things that God told me this. And I want to raise my hand and say, there's no way. Because that violates, you know, book, chapter, and verse. Would you like a copy? And now, of course, I don't do that because my spirit man doesn't tell me to do that, right? So my will goes, I, I would do it if you let me. You know, just let me do it. Just let me do it. My spirit man just like, no. Shut up. Go to your room. Uh, and, and so, so, you know, I don't say anything like that. You know, now some people would, right? I've been preaching. I told you one time when I was preaching, you know, uh, this was after my pastor was gone. And so, you know, I was trying to help. I've been with my church for 20 years, you know, and I was an elder in the church. I, you know, I was uh, on the board of the church. And so, you know, it was okay for me to say some things to help the church. And the church was really bad about, you know, when someone left the church, we'd gossip about them, you know, you know, I remember one time someone said, did you see so-and-so? They look so old. And I mean, they just look old, you know, so they left the church, you know, 
And then someone else piped in, well, that's what sin will do to you. And the sin was leaving the church. You know, I thought, you are so mean. You know, I mean, you're just such a mean thing to say, right? Maybe she just didn't have makeup on that day or may, none of your business, right? What, you know, and who are you to say she looks old? Have you looked in the mirror lately? I mean, you know, I mean, who are you, right? And it just, it just broke my heart. And they were terrible about that. Just so terrible about someone. And, you know, that's why around here, if any of you start saying unkind things about people that leave the church, we ain't having that around here, you know. You want, you know, well, go say, well, that's between you and Lord Jesus, you know, but don't say that around me. Because I'm not saying everybody's ever left the church is right and every left the church is wrong. It's, it's, they just left. But if they want to come back, I, you know, uh, I, if they want to, I want them to come back. Now, some people, you know, I may have to, well, are you sure? <laughs> you know, we may have a conversation with some of them, but, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, why, why is it okay to gossip about somebody just because they left the church? You mean we should gossip them while they're here at the church? No, that's, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong direction. You know, don't gossip about them at all. Amen. Uh, and so, so I was up preaching about love and mercy. I said, you know, we all have love and mercy. When people leave the church, you know, don't talk bad about them. I said, we're terrible about that. I said, we, you know. And right in the middle of me saying that, somebody stood up on the second row and said, no, we don't do that. They stood up in the, in the church while I'm preaching about love and mercy and said, we don't do that. And I'm like, you're the biggest ringleader of all. Yeah, I heard you say so many things about people that have left the church. You know, I didn't say that, but, you know, because... I was listening to my spirit man. He, see, he was not, because his flesh didn't like it. His flesh didn't like that he, that he was called out. Uh, and and so, he, so he yielded to the voice of his flesh. Now, see, uh, what's wrong with, with him doing that? Well, number one, he's usurping authority. Because in that moment, I'm the authority in the church. And I'm, not doing, I'm preaching about love and mercy. Is there any violation of the word of God preaching on love and mercy? Can you find book, chapter, verse? Thou shalt not teach about love and mercy. Thou shalt not teach about gossiping. Thou shalt not teach about being kind to people. I mean, no, right? We all, I mean, you don't have book chapter, but we all know, you know, that that's an easy answer, right? That's, that's a give me answer. Uh, and yet he did that. Well, why did he do that? Because his flesh said to his will, you stand up and rebuke him because you, he's making you look bad. Well, I, I wasn't intentionally trying to make him look bad, although, you know, it was making him look bad. Uh, but I, that wasn't my goal or intent. My goal was to help us to move past that, to get, to get beyond that. And so, uh, so uh, that happens all the time, all the time. You know, our flesh will react to something. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I remember we, we were, uh, uh, the first house we bought, we had some guy, he was, he was a door-to-door uh, uh, smoke detector salesman. Have you ever seen one of those? I mean... You know, how much does a smoke detector cost at Lowe's? And you can buy them by bulk, right? Like three bucks, right, for a smoke detector, you know? Uh, and and um, it's like, oh, we got this fancy smoke detector. It does all these things, you know? Well, what he didn't realize is I had a, a degree in engineering, and he's explaining to us, like, oh, yeah, you just use whatever metal for this. You know, you probably, this probably, you know, you probably made it like that, you know? And I'm thinking through how he designed it, right? And it wasn't his. It was his company. And so I said, well, you know, I don't know. He's, we'd like to put them in your whole house. I said, well, I don't argue about that, you know? Uh, let's just try one, see, you know, see if it works, which is kind of dumb, right? Because like, what? I mean, you hope it never works, right? You hope you never have to have a smoke alarm. I said, well, I said, well, how much does one cost? He said, well, they cost $1,500 each. <laughs> Are you kidding me? $1,500? I mean, for a smoke detector? 
and, and you know, and of course, maybe I made him feel bad, but I, you know, I think it's okay. You know, he fifteen hundred dollars. That's kind of a ripoff, right? Uh, fifteen hundred for one smoke detector. And he said, "Oh, you don't love your family enough to buy one?" Oh, see, then my flesh, you know, you know, puffs up. Like, would you like to step outside and say that one more time? You know, because uh, that happens, right? Your flesh rises up and wants to. It wants to react. It wants to say and speak and have its position and be taken care of. And, and how dare you? Uh, but your spirit man goes, not worth the effort. This, you can just tell him to leave. And, and you know, that's why I, I said, well, you just need to leave. You just need to leave. Uh, because that's just absurd that you're going to try to, I don't love my family enough to give you a bunch of money. Uh, I love my family plenty enough, you know, and, and, and who are you to judge anyway? And so, uh, so, uh, that's what we've got to get to with a pure heart is uh, all these other voices. See, if you can get to where you'll judge everything that you think and everything, every decision you decide, and, and it becomes a normal part of your life. It's not even hard to do once you get used to it and training yourself to do that. So many people are used to just, well, you know, my high school uh, history teacher, uh, Mr. Fisher, said, if it feels good, just do it. See, he was of the opinion you don't, you don't judge anything. You just do whatever you feel like. You just do whatever you feel like, you know, and, and the whole world hates the church because we're all, the church is always saying, you know, you ought not do, not do that. How dare you constrain me? Well, you know, all of life is about constraint. You know, you can't just run through every red light. You, you can't cut line every time. You, you can't steal things that belong to other people. Life is full of constraints, right? I mean, you can't harm innocent people. There's all kinds of constraints, right? I mean, you've got to wear a seatbelt. You know, they have to put airbags in cars. There are all kinds of constraints in life. You know, but people are like, well, yeah, but I don't want constraints in my life. You've got a ton of constraints. You know, every one of us have constraints. If we live in society, any society, you have constraints. Amen. You can't just, I want to move into your house. You can't move in my house. Yeah, but I want to. It doesn't matter if you want to. You're not moving. Me and, me and my Glock 27 won't, won't allow that to happen, right? Uh, and so, you know, there, there's, there's constraints everywhere. There's always constraints. But see, the church is, is mostly focused on, on spiritual constraints, right? Don't let your flesh run your life. Let your spirit run your life. Well, see, if, you're, if you let your spirit run your life, that's when you're the most free. See, the world says you're the most unfree when you can't let your flesh run your life. But the church says you're the most free when you let your spirit run your life and you tell your flesh to shut up. See, the world said, well, that's not fair. You know, don't tell me what to do. Well, you need to define me. Are you saying me like your flesh or me like your spirit man? See, I'm telling your spirit man what to do. And your spirit man said, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And your flesh, well, yeah, I wanna, but I want to do something different. Well, fine. But see, uh, if, if you want to live the best life, you constrain the flesh and you free, you free your spirit. You, you listen to your spirit man. You don't listen to your flesh. You listen to your spirit man. You don't listen to your intellect. You listen to your spirit man. You don't listen to your emotions. That's the, best, that's the best freedom you'll ever have. The most at peace, the most happy that you'll be, the most fulfilled you'll ever be, 100%. I mean, it's not even close. It's like 1,000 to 1, probably 10,000 to 1. But people, you know, they like the, the feeling of their flesh being in control of their life. They want to do what their flesh wants them to do. Uh, and, and they live a horrible life, just terrible life, unhappy, just drama every day, destruction every day. And, and uh, that's, that's uh, I like that. No, you don't like that. You're stupid. You, know, you don't like that. Nobody likes that. But they want to say they like it because otherwise they'd have to change, right? And, and, but, of course, people don't believe that, but it's still true, right? They don't believe that the best place you'll ever live is when your spirit man is in complete control of your life. 100% best. 
because everything God wants is to bless us. He wants to fulfill our lives. He'll give us fullness of peace and fullness of joy. You know, you can never have fullness of, of joy any other way except through the Lord. People try to do it through drugs, alcohol, you know, less sex and, you know, you know all those stupid things they do in the world and sometimes in the church. And, and, but they're never happy because it's next tomorrow I'm going to find it. Tomorrow I'm going to find it because they're always trying to find some. Tomorrow I'm going to get it. And they never get it because, you know, and they think, well, I got to give up so much by being in the Lord. You don't have to give up anything. You get everything. All you got to do is, to, you know, because you're the way you're living, you've given up your spirit, man. And you've allowed your flesh to run your life. Well, there's no difference. You've got to either you got to give up either your flesh or you've got to give up your spirit, man. If you were smart and an intelligent human being, you'd give up your flesh and, and let your spirit man run your life. That's what a, a, an intelligent human being would do. Someone who can look at the, 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 the options objectively and say the best choice, the obvious choice, the only choice would be to yield to your spirit man. That would be the correct choice, right? But, you know, uh, human beings are not known for being intelligent, right? We're, we're known for being really stupid. In, in spite of ourselves, we've made it this far, right? Uh, and so, so the, the, the thing that, that I want to make sure that we understand is, is, is a pure heart is not a measure of your performance as it relates to sin. Because a lot of times people just, I've got a pure heart because I haven't done anything wrong all day. Well, you haven't done anything wrong in the flesh, but have you actually listened to the Spirit of God? Have you yielded to the Spirit of God? Have you prayed when He wanted you to pray? Have you meditated? Have you spent time with the Lord? I just, you know, I spend time with the Lord all the time. I talk to Him. If people think I'm talking to myself. Maybe, I don't know, but I talk, I ask Him questions all the time. Lord, why'd you do that that way? You know, what about this? You know, you know how does this happen? How does this work this way? And, and um, just fellowship around the Word and just, you know, I spend time with him. Uh, and so, so a pure heart is not how much sin you're not doing. That's not a pure heart. A pure heart is how much of the spirit of God are you listening to? How much of your spirit are you listening to? And if, you, and if your will would listen to and yield 100% to your spirit man, that is the most pure heart that you can have. There's no, it's perfectly clear between your will and your spirit. No, no cloudiness from your will, no cloudiness from your emotions, no cloudiness from your flesh, no cloudiness from your past. Just I, everything my spirit says to do, I do. That would be ideal, right? And so I, I want to look at just a few examples just uh, real quick uh, in the Old Testament. Let's turn, to, turn back to 2 Kings because uh, we're so, we, we tend to want to gravitate towards performance, right? H how good am I doing? Uh, 2 Kings chapter 23 uh, how am I performing, right? Uh, how much sin am I not doing? Because we, we tend to want to earn our way to heaven, uh, and we have to get out of that rat race. You know, if you follow the Spirit uh, perfectly well, how much sin will you ever do? Not ever, right? If you always yielded to your spirit, man, how many times would you ever hurt anybody? Zero. So instead of focusing on, well, I'm not going to do this one sin, why don't you focus on, why don't I hear from the Spirit of God more? Because the more you hear from the Spirit of God and yield to that, the less you're going to sin. And so and at the end of the day, you're way better off. Because, well, we'll talk about this here in a minute. So uh, these, these are just uh, three kings I wanted to go through an example about. Uh, and, and this is 2 Kings 23, verse 25. Uh, and so it says, And like unto him Josiah, so this is talking about the king Josiah, like unto him uh, was there no king before him? So Jos Josiah was a good king that turned to the Lord with all his heart 
and with all his soul, all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. So Josiah was probably the second best king Israel ever had, right? David was the best king. Josiah was probably the, the second best king. And it said he turned to the Lord with all of his heart, right? So 100% of his heart, right? Now this is Old Testament, so, you know, it didn't have as much light about the revelation about these things as we see in the New Testament. But, with, but basically with all, his, with all his mind, soul, will, and, and strength, everything was to the Lord. Yeah, and Josiah, Josiah was spoken well of uh, about his, his legacy. And then we're, that's in 2 Kings. Let's turn back to 1 Kings chapter 15. And so the point, the point of this discussion is to understand it's not about your performance, right? Well, I've been good all day long. That means I have a pure heart. That's not, uh, that's not uh, the measurement, right? So this is talking about King Asa here. Uh, and it says in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 13, and also uh, uh, Makkah, his mother, and even her, he removed from being queen. And it's interesting, you know, we're not going to go into the history of it, but the, the, the moms of the kings were a lot of times a nuisance in Israel. Never talk about the dads, you know, but the moms, for some reason, just whatever reason, you know, the moms are like, hey, son, you need to do this, you know, and, and a lot of them will listen to their moms got in big trouble, and Asa got rid of the mom. She was the queen uh, because she had made an idol in a grove, and Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. So Israel set up these high places, you know, up on hills and things, where they would offer uh, sacrifices to idols. And for some reason, the kings didn't, didn't get rid of them because that's where they also had a lot of prostitution going on and, you know, a lot of things that happen in the dark that we don't want to talk about in polite society, uh, they did all those things, so we don't want to remove those because that makes the important people mad, right? We, you know, get rid of the, you know, get rid of the, the drive-through windows, that's fine, but you can't get rid of the, the, the uh, high places because the highfalutin people won't like that. So, uh, but the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. So Asa didn't do everything he's supposed to have done, right? He didn't take care of the high places, and yet the, the Lord set up him that his heart was perfect. Uh, and, and so his heart, you know, knew I can only go so far. If I go further than that, the people, I, I will lose the people. And it's unfortunate, but uh, I've gone as far as the Lord uh, will let me go in this moment. You know, later on, this will be left for somebody else to fix, I'm sure. Uh, and, so, and so Josiah was one of those later on that, that came around and helped that. But Asa, even though he didn't do everything right, he didn't do all that he could have done. The, the Lord still declared that he had a pure heart, right? That he had a perfect heart before him. Uh, and then uh, we get the Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 25, uh, and it says in verse 2, uh, I'll wait for a second for you to get there, or for Jared to get there, right? Somebody's going to get there. Second Chronicles, chapter 25, it says in verse 2, and it says, He, now this is talking about King uh, Amaziah, and he, Amaziah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord but not with a perfect heart. Well, I'm doing everything right. Yeah, but your heart's wrong. Well, who are you to judge me? I didn't judge you. The Lord judged you right here. You know, he, he judged uh, King uh, Amaziah here that on the, uh, on the outside appearance, he says that he did, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So he had all the check boxes, right? I'm going to church. I'm doing this. I'm giving money. You know, I'm helping with the poor. 
you know, I even let somebody else cut in line in front of me. You know, I'm, I'm just an awesome person. I'm doing all these wonderful things. And the Lord said, but your heart's not right. But can you, could, you, could you see that on the outside? If you looked at Amaziah, would you, what would you see? Looks like he's doing everything right. I mean, looks like he's a great guy, right? But the Lord's like, no. It's a, it's a measure of the inside, not a measure on the outside, right? It's, it's, some, it's a measurement of something that you can't see and, and account for on the outside. And, and the same thing with, uh, uh, with Asa's heart. Uh, on the outside, it didn't look like he was doing everything right. But the Lord said, yeah, but his heart was right with me. His heart was perfect with me, right? Uh, and so, uh, so to have a pure heart, it's just you focus between you and your spirit man. And, and, and if you focus on your spirit man, you're really focusing on the spirit of God because that's who he speaks to is your spirit man. Uh, and, and, that, and that's it. Uh, and then you, everything else on the outside will, will fall in line uh, eventually, right? If you'll work on that, amen? Uh, and so uh, what, what was the final promise? And, and, and we'll finish up there. Let's go back then to Matthew chapter 5. So all, all of these uh, discussion for, for the last several weeks was to get to this goal, right? Was to get to this goal of a pure heart. And, uh, you know, how long does it take to have a pure heart? I don't know, however long it takes, right? Um, what's the matter how long it takes? I mean, if you're not there today, you might as well start, amen? You'll never get there if you don't start. So, uh, but he said here uh, in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So when you get to where you can, where there's no, when there's, uh, it's perfectly clear between your will and your spirit man, he said, then you'll start to see God operating in your life. You'll see God in everything. You'll see God operating in your finances and see God operating in your health and see God operating in your mind and see God operating in your, your, your relations and just everything. You'll see God everywhere. Uh, and that would be a, be a wonderful thing. How, how valuable would this be to you? How much is this worth to you? See, that, that's for us. It's a decide. You remember Jesus talked to another places about, you know, you've got to count the cost, right? Is the cost of this worth it to you? Well, the, it's free, right? I mean, it, and, and everything is to your advantage to do this. But see, what will you have to do to get there? Well, you'll have to start evaluating the things that come across your mind that you choose to do and say, you know, that doesn't line up with my spirit, man. I, I'm not going to do that. But that's the cost. That's the cost that you have to choose to say no to some of these voices. And the more that you say no to voices outside your spirit man, the more pure your heart will be. And, and the thing is, uh, at the end of the day, the better you're going to be. 100% better. Amen. You know, the perfect heart, uh, then God will say of you that your heart was perfect. Yeah, but I, I got mad last week. Well, you know, welcome to the human race. You know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be perfect in all that you do. Asa was not perfect in all that he did. And yet God said he had a perfect heart. Amen. Because his desire was, is to follow his spirit man. Amen. Sometimes, you know, you may mess up and we're not saying it's okay to mess up, but you know, more than likely, are you breathing air? You're probably going to mess up. Right. Uh, and so when you stop breathing air, it'd be the last mistake you make. Right. And so, uh, so the, the desire in my heart is for us to see this and pursue this with all that we have. Right. We're not there today. You won't get there tomorrow. But if you believe this to be true, that you'll see God, because that's the promise, right? If you believe that Jesus said, if you do this, you'll see God, then how valuable would that be for you to pursue? I mean, what else is worth it, right? Yeah, but I've been going, I've been, you know, I've been seeing this new car. I think it's really nice, you know. Well, that's great. Is that worth more than this? I mean, you don't have to give up a new car to get this, obviously, but 
but you know, the same vigor that you pursue that new car with should be the same, at least the same energy that you expend on, on Lord, I, you know, I want to be able to see you. I want to see you operate in my life. Uh, and, and to me, there's no greater, there's no greater pursuit. Amen. Uh, and so that, that's a pure heart. And that's, you know, uh, Matthew 5, 8, that's the beatitude there. Uh, we've got a few more beatitudes that we'll, that we'll look at uh, as we go through the rest of this list here. Uh, but it just, it was in my heart really to spend some time on this because there's not enough teaching in this area of the church that we don't understand how these things operate and work. And it's not really that hard. It does take some effort to study it out. But once you understand and once you hear it, it's like, well, that kind of makes sense. You know, I think at least in my simple mind, it all makes sense, right? If you could pop over my mind and look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense there, right? Yeah, I wish I understood it like that, you know? And, and so, but it's not really that hard to understand. Uh, but it's like, uh, uh, it's like so many sports, right? Um, anybody who played golf or I've heard the same thing about pickleball or racquetball or really about any sport that you can play just about, you know, you can start out and it's pretty easy to get, you know, if you're going to hit a ball, you, well, anybody can hit a golf club, just a, a golf ball, just about, right? But then hitting it in the same place twice, you know, you spend the rest of your life trying to figure that out, right? Uh, and so and it's the same thing with a lot of these things. You know, you can, you can start on this path, but just spend the rest of your life just tweaking it and getting better at it every day. And to me, it's worth the journey, amen? It's worth the effort to do that. And so we'll, we'll look at the rest of the Beatitudes as we go along uh, and... Um, I don't know that we're going to get through before Brother Randy gets here. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we may not have to tell him that we're still on the Beatitudes, you know, because uh, uh, he, uh, in fact, I think we started before he, before he got here. I think the week or two, two weeks, I think, before he got here, we started on him. So, uh, but that's okay. Amen. It, all is well. And, and just one other thing real quick, um, and then we're going to pray. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the will of man. We talked a lot about uh, the heart of man. And um, it, on our back a book table, there's two books that I wrote uh, years ago. One is called The Will of Man. Uh, we didn't spend much time on the title. That's pretty simple, right? The Will of Man. So it talks about your will, what it means, how it works. And the other one is Healing the Brokenhearted. And it goes through all these same uh, dis- uh, discussions about the heart, and what the heart is and, you know, how it works. Uh, and, um, and, and so we've got a bunch of those books back there. If you'd like a copy, just help yourself to those books. This is not for Christmas presents, you know, if you want it for somebody else, you can pay money for that, right? But this is for you, right? So, uh, uh, and I'd encourage you, you know, if you haven't read those books, get a copy of each one of them. They're not very thick, they're, you can read them pretty quick, and, um, uh, and they'll help you. They kind of go through all these things in written form that we've talked about the last several weeks. Uh, but it'll be, it'll be good information for you to have, right, if you want it. So it's up to you if you want it. If, you, if I see them on eBay tomorrow, you know, we'll have a discussion about that, right? And so... Uh, but let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings of your word, Father, for the kindness of your word. We thank you, Father, that you reveal and instruct, to, uh, instruct us by your spirit. And, and, Father, we choose as an act of our will to spend all the days of our life pursuing a pure heart, to, to pursuing a place where we hear clearly from heaven, Father, through our spirits. Uh, and we judge that by your word. And we thank you for that, Father. And we thank you that as we do that, you, you will... Uh, you will draw near to us, Father, and you will help us and instruct us and show us how to get there. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's or this morning's tithes and offerings. We're not afternoon yet. Oh, we are afternoon. We're three minutes after 12. So, uh, well, there. See, see our new clock, right? Well, we're three minutes after something, right? Because 
there's no numbers on the clock, right? And they didn't like our glass clock with numbers on it, so now we got a clock without numbers. So, uh, you know, I guess after it gets a certain past 12 o'clock, I can just preach till 1 o'clock because I don't know if it's after 12 or after 11, right? So, anyway, um, but come ahead, Mr. Jared, to receive the offering. Uh, and um, it seems like you ought to be able to see the hour hand, but, you know, I mean, it's noon, right? And so where's the hour hand? But um, anyway, uh, it's all right, you know. Uh, some things you got to do uh, to make things look cool, right? And so, it's and I don't have a saying anyway. You know, uh, they said, uh, what, uh, uh, "What are you going to do with that clock over there?" Like, There's nothing wrong with the clock, you know. And, and so, anyway, it's all right. All is well, right? Uh, but everything that you think everything looks good, I think everything looks good. And 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 very little of it was my decision, except for the technical things, right? I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have uh, plugs on the inside of the stage. And they're like they yawned when I said that, you know, like it's so boring. But it's cool, right? I think it's cool. Anybody who thinks it's cool, the stage stage plugs up here, right? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See there, we got some people there, right? Who likes the clock? Anybody like the clock, right? Yeah. So see, there we go, right? So that's why we need everybody, right? I could care less. Does it tell time? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Um, so, anyway, uh, don't forget we have healing school today at three o'clock, and, and uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful afternoon. You're dismissed.